Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, friendo, Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw, Matt Chat. You guys know how it works. We drag a guest kicking and screaming here to the channel so they can talk wrestling with us. And our guest this month is the gold standard in wrestling journalism. If you see a backstage report in wrestling, if his name ain't on it, it's probably a bunch of fake news. And he's also known <laughs> for knowing way too much about wrestling, hence all his Quizzlemania victories. Fightful Zone, Sean Ross Sapp. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for, for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so for doing So for the people who might live under a rock, where can they find you? Uh, we have Fightful.com. We cover pro wrestling, MMA, and some other combat stuff. If you just like wrestling, FightfulWrestling.com is the place to be. But uh, we have a subscription service, FightfulSelect.com. We don't say Patreon because we're going to move that over to the site soon but that's the most direct way you can support what we do um i i mean that's where i'm breaking news every single day we've got backstage reports we've got half a dozen podcasts over there that's the the best way to show your support in our pursuit of this wrestling news stuff that we do so much we on yes. our news brief uh, every day uh, at least several times a week they will hear us reiterate fightful select they're great Go subscribe. Go subscribe. And uh, this is yes. the person that you'll be subscribing to right here. So uh, make a good impression, Sean Ross. Much appreciated. <laughs> make I, us I, look hey, good, Sean. I got to try. I got to try at least. <laughs> All right. So this is how it works. Uh, the friendos out there uh, on our Patreon at the $20 a month and up mark. Uh, Should I'll, we start uh, calling it going in raw something instead of yeah, our Patreon? Going in raw select. Going well, no, in. That's, that's, that's going in. What's another sexual euphemism we can use for condomless sex? Can we, can we figure something out? <laughs> going just add in, dog to the yeah, end of go, it. Yeah, going in rawdog.com. There you go. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so uh, all the friendos over there on the Patreon uh, 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 at $20 and up, if you want to send in your video question or your text question to our guest of the month, uh, that's how you do it. Uh, we got a bunch of questions this month. Of course, Larson, who's starting us off today? Christopher Rampersaw. Take it away, Christopher. Hello, Stephen Larson and Sean. So my question is about The Undertaker, obviously. This past Sunday, we saw him retired, you know, 30 years. Thank you, Undertaker. Now, my question is, I know, well, are we going to see one more match with The Undertaker? You know we got to see one more match with The Undertaker, especially when we get fans back and everything. Will we see one more match by The Undertaker? 
And I hope it's a rematch against AJ. Let me know, guys. Thank you, Christopher. All right, Sean, Thank what you. do you say? Will we see one more Undertaker match? I don't think that we're going to see one more Undertaker match. I do think that there's a possibility that we see him come out, throw a choke slam or tombstone. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, well, that's not retired. I think it is. We see Steve Austin throw out stunners all the time. We see Mick Foley hit people with mandible claws and all that. They can still show up and do a thing or two. Uh, if we do see one more match, I want it to be a cinematic match with Sting. I can't believe they haven't done that. I can't believe they didn't do that. I was very surprised that The Undertaker didn't want to do more cinematic matches, uh, which is something he said. Because I, I know when I asked Matt Hardy about this, he was like, man, I hope they get a few more years out of him because of oh, that. Wow. Because yeah. he can be sort of the that, that Richard or that Charles Bronson of WWE, that old man that just beats everybody up in cinematic form that you got to answer to. I think that was a really easy way to do it. But I think he's done in the ring. I think he's cooked. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Uh, barring some miracle fountain of youth thing that, I mean, some wrestlers have found over the years. I really doubt that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, the cinematic stuff, what, what sort of surprised me was just how open and okay he was with the Boneyard match being his last real match. He considered it a real thing. I mean, I know recently he says, yeah, you know, they were dancing around my limitations. But in terms of presenting something that he considers a proper send-off for a match, he seemed totally at peace with Boneyard being that. The cinematic match being good enough, not having to be in front of, you know, however many thousands of fans. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, also, given that Vince McMahon himself came out and introduced Undertaker's final farewell, I got the feeling that that was Vince being at peace with no longer being able to go to the Undertaker and saying, well, Mark, we need, we need you again, Mark. We need you. Uh, and then Mark's <laughs> like, God damn, I barely feel my hip. So, uh, so, so yeah, I, he's, I probably think he's done. I can see what you're saying, though. Like, he might drop a tombstone or a choke slam or whatever. Larson, what do you think? Um, everything seems to indicate that he's done the the fact that he's kind of let us all see who mark calloway is break it down basically every level of kayfabe with the undertaker um uh, starting to tell all these wonderful stories he probably has up in that head of his um they could probably do another 10 episodes of broken skull sessions and they would not mm -hmm. run out of things to talk about oh and they've been great the first two were they've so good fantastic yeah. um that being said he's always kind of uh if Vince were to call him up and say, Mark, I need you, <laughs> he would be fine and picking up that call and, and talking to him about it. And and if Vince was at a tight spot and, you know, he has this thing in his office, I think, and it says, in case of emergency, break glass, call Undertaker, <laughs> that if Vince was in a real pinch, he would probably call, uh, call up old Mark and try to get him to come back for one more match. And maybe I think I'd be really surprised if he would do it. But if, if Vince put enough zeros in that check, if the situation was right, if the opponent was right, and he was in any way inclined to maybe come back, maybe he would consider it. I would be really surprised at this point, considering everything they've done leading up to his announcement at Survivor Series. This all feels very final, <laughs> um, but this is also pro wrestling. Yeah. How right. many times has Terry Funk retired? Yeah, How many yeah. times has Ric yeah. Flair retired? Yeah. Um, so do I expect him to have another match? No. Would I be surprised if he did? 
yes, but if he does, I'm not going to be completely flabbergasted by it. There you go. Uh, next up, the Hall of Famer Christian, Christian has a question about Undertaker like gimmicks. Let's see what Christian has to say. What is up, Steve and Larson and special guest? This is the Hall of Famer Christian returning to Matt Chat. Um, my question this week is regarding the Undertaker and his retirement at Survivor Series last night. And this question is about what he represents as far as horror gimmicks in the wrestling. Uh, everybody calls this era the reality era, you know, kayfabe has never been pulled back more than it has been these days will we you know does do gimmicks like takers still work the same way yes we have the fiend but we all know it's just brain behind the mask does it work uh too sweet hearty handshake thank you christian for your question about the undertaker and gimmicks like his so uh yeah i mean i think the most obvious sort of Undertaker-esque gimmick. I mean, I guess we could just sort of talk about supernatural gimmicks. You got The Fiend, which is like one of the most successful characters in the modern age, quite clearly. You've got other stuff like, you know, Demon Balor, who sort of flirted with some supernatural stuff before they just sort of said, screw it, you're back to being, you know, sort of Diet Prince Devitt in NXT. Um, so I think, I think they can work. I think they can work better now than maybe in the past because like, production value is a lot better when WWE has the resources to reach out to people like Tom Savini or, you know, they have like a better, because so much of it is in the presentation. I think that the gimmick, I think those kind of things can probably work better these days as long as the person that is inhabiting the role uh, is, is solid. Because, I mean, that's why The Undertaker really worked is because you had a guy in the role who knew how to approach it and it wasn't too goofy of a thing. Like the Undertaker is just, it's a cool idea. Like the, the, the concept or the images surrounding death are generally kind of cool. So that's like why it worked. And Mark Calloway like knew how to do that stuff really well. So I think that, yeah, I think that they, they still work as long as they're like fewer, like few and far between. What's kind of surprising to me is that like Vince didn't really, I mean, if you look back on history, were there a ton of Sean? You probably know this better than anybody because of your like vast freakish wrestling knowledge. After the success of the Undertaker, like I went back and tried to do a little bit. Were there a ton of like knockoffs? Because we know like with Hogan, Vince always loved big jack dudes, right? And so you see a lot of those. But it's not like he went all in on trying to do a ton of supernatural stuff after the Undertaker. Yeah, they flirted with it like the magician that they had come in for one day, and then he set backstage on fire, and they're like, you got to get out of here. Uh, Fantasio, was that him? Yeah, he he almost set Bruce Pritchard on fire. I so, don't. Uh, I have I have no I have no knowledge of that. Oh Fantasio? yeah, he, Fantasio. He was there for like a couple matches. He did some magic stuff, and they're like, hit the bricks. Of course, the Papa Shango thing. They they mm -hmm. tried that, mm -hmm. and sure, and it didn't. I mean. It, it didn't work for long, but it worked pretty well. People still remember it. They they sure. had Kane and all that stuff. They they had elements of it, but they never went full bore. Uh, they they tried with Mordecai, and mm, they were yeah. gonna go full on with Mordecai, but as it turned out, Mordecai had knocked some dude out at a bar a few months before and was about to get sued. So oh, that's, that's why that's why that was a wrap. Uh, so they mm. they have tried. They've tried to have, and all these people are always associated with Undertaker too mm, yeah, because yeah, of. Yeah 
because of those elements. I mean, they had uh, Gangrel also, like in yeah. the Attitude Era. Like they've yeah. tried, but I'm kind of surprised that there hadn't been like more attempts given how well the undertaker went over. But I guess over the years, yeah, you can point to like, I don't know, a couple. Um, so I don't know, like, could they still work today? Yeah. If, if presented properly. And if, if the production is there, you could see that with the fiend. I just think that, you know, it's probably not the smartest move in the world to have too many of them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think they could work better today than they probably would have in mm-hmm. the past just because of production mm-hmm. value so yeah production value and then you got you know it, it's you get the quality performer that can provide the mystique of whether it's you know uh, directly supernatural or, or inferred you know you, you mentioned the fiend bray wyatt obviously there's supernatural elements tons of mystique around the fiend uh even like alistair black and nxt mm-hmm. that dude was all mystique you know mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it, in a lot of ways he seemed like the heir apparent to assuming that mantle the undertaker may have had on the main that's roster gone. yeah that's gone and then uh, over at AEW you got Abaddon who's like dripping blood everywhere Abaddon's great uh, yeah. licking belts it's pretty it's pretty great and it's they're all to various degrees supernatural or horror themed gimmicks and and you know at least you know uh, apart from Alistair now those three examples are still, still seem pretty darn effective mm-hmm. Sean what do you, yeah, totally do you think possible. you could still work today Oh, yeah. I think the beauty of the horror genre, especially, is that it's often low cost, high reward. I mean, you, there, there aren't a ton of like major, huge budget horror movies, but man, you get some of the best returns on that. The unfortunate aspect is they have somebody perfect like Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family. My favorite horror movies are the ones that I conceivably believe could happen to me. Mm-hmm. And I live in Kentucky. I, there's there's a Wyatt family on every block down here. Like that, you believe that hey, you make a wrong turn in the woods, those guys might come after you. They don't necessarily have to shoot lightning or anything like that, but just they know their surroundings, they know their area. The unfortunate aspect of WWE is it's never enough for them. So they take Bray Wyatt from a horror movie character, and we're talking pre-fiend. I consider the original creepy Waylon Mercy-esque character as one of the 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 best of his and they turn him into a middle schooler who likes av class they're like all right well i'm gonna turn out the lights on you i'm gonna put some worms on the ring yeah that was a low point it's they they do that and they they lack any sense with some of the fiend stuff because people want to like that every time he does his honest to god entrance i'm like oh yeah that's why he's so cool and they, I think they've done pretty well with Firefly Funhouse specifically. I think that's how you do it. You you apply it to things that could conceivably happen to you. Dexter Loomis, Sam Shaw does it really well as like, has he murdered somebody? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or can they prove it? I don't know. There there are ways to do that, and I think you have to play off of the realities of the world. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me ask you something totally. now that we're on the subject, because Larson and I have talked about this quite a bit on uh, on our NXT recaps, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Dexter Loomis's ceiling. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is? How the hell do you approach a guy who clearly is supposed to be a serial killer? It seems like even NXT, which I think is like some of the best creative there is, even NXT can't really figure out how to handle it because it always seems to dive into like comedy like we're getting right now with with Cameron Grimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I don't know how you would go at that. I mean, in TNA, they very clearly made him a serial killer, like with <laughs> no room to do anything else. I, like, it depends on how, how far you want to play into it. I could see him be like being like a counter serial killer type of guy. Like he's a vigilante that takes care of people before they do the terrible thing. Like he's always got his ear to the ground and that his multi-talented nature with him being so good at art and stuff really lends a lot to that. And he's worked real hard. I mean, I was talking to people. We do a, a series on Fightful Select called Brass Ring, where I talk to a bunch of wrestlers and I say, who's been working hard to improve? Who does this? Who does that? Dexter Loomis was brought up by a bunch of people oh, in wow. NXT. Yeah. And there were several people that were like, this guy was off TV for five years. He could have given up. He was like, there are a lot of people that get fired from WWE and they never wrestle again. Mm-hmm. He was off TV for five years and refined his gimmick and took it to NXT. So if he's willing to do that, I think that the ceiling is kind of high. I don't think he'll be NXT champion or anything, but I think that he can be, I think that we'll probably have a really terrible program with him and the fiend in the future. Mm -hmm. I'd like to, you know, I wonder if sort of, we, we got this a couple of weeks ago with, and we're completely off topic here, but that's okay. It's our show. Um, (laughs) We got this a couple of weeks ago and it it failed spectacularly. Uh, The Lars Sullivan interview interviews, And yes. I think you would note or somebody had noted on Twitter that if this was them trying to replicate the mankind interview, yeah. which was so great back in the day, they failed spectacularly. I wonder if they could pull off something like that, because I think the one thing that he's lacking is a little bit of like some amount of relatability, you know, like let him in. If, if you nail if you nail an interview like that like the mankind one with Dexter Loomis, I think that could go a long way towards, okay, I, I get it now. It's not just this one dimensional, you know, uh, a carbon copy horror movie guy, because he's got ev- like his in-ring style is so much fun. Uh, his care, like his character work, he is so invested in it. Obviously mm-hmm. he's got everything. He just needs that one thing that people can hold on to, to give a damn about him, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that, there are ways to approach that. Like you have somebody interviewing a backstage and they're like, you know, you creep a lot of people out and he can be like, a lot of you creep me out. And then he mm-hmm. points to the fact, like what was Cameron Grimes doing in my house? Like, what was, mm-hmm. what was he about to do in the shower? Like <laughs> what, what, well, he's the creepy one, like and, and him to do it in a really matter of fact manner, but him to kind of point out, like, 
I'm the normal one here. Mm-hmm. I think That's there are ways cool that you twist, can, yeah. that could be cool, there's yeah. a way that you can explore his side of his personality and relate to his story. The issue with WWE is, and we see it with, with Loomis and we see it with Shotzi that becomes them. That's yeah, right. all they are is that yeah. he's yeah. a serial killer. Maybe Shotzi likes tanks and wears a funny hat. Okay. Yeah. Or even worse with it, like Angel Garza, who like had all oh the upside, and then all of a sudden now he's doing these weird like oh, or, trying or to bang Rude. the camera person kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Rude is Bob the worst Rude. example of that. Song, you know, yeah, he yeah. is literally just the glorious theme song, or yeah. at least he was. Or maybe maybe that'll change. We now. don't even get to hear it anymore. Nope. <laughs> I'm sure he's probably happy about that. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Church Jackson is up next with a question about. Uh, a new Firefly Funhouse match. Let's see what he has to say. Hi, guys. Uh, it's Church Jackson here along with uh, my dog, Punk. We uh, we would like to ask Steve Larson and Sean what they would like to see in a Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt, Firefly Funhouse match. Um, that's about it. Too sweet, hearty handshake. Uh, too good. Thanks for all your work, Sean. Bye. All right. Thank you, Church. Larson. Thank you, Church. Uh, what do you want to see? Bray versus well, Orton. Firefly if Funhouse. We, we learned anything from the previous Firefly Funhouse is that a uh, match is that Bray will plumb his opponent's past to pull some interesting story beats, some character development. Uh, with Randy Orton, there's a, a lot of opportunities to do some, shall we say, interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, Randy Orton, uh, if, if any of the backstage stories are to be believed, uh, has conducted himself in an interesting manner, especially more so the early part of his career. <laughs> so you can make an allusions to handshakes. Yeah. Uh, sure. To putting stuff in people's luggage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so on and so forth. Maybe a, a, a pulling rank backstage to maybe get someone uh, released from the company. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. whether any of those stories are true or not, you reference them. Uh, and then people like us will say, oh, they referenced that. <laughs> That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I would expect. Now, I mean, I don't know Orton how cool he would be uh, directly referencing some of that stuff. He's don't talked know. about that stuff in his promos. Some of it, he has. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, he's talked about you know getting himself in in trouble and relying on people to get him out of trouble. Um, but I don't know how you know directly he wants certain things referenced. Somebody, what, I don't know. What was it? Uh, what few did he have? Oh, Edge. Didn't Edge like? tangentially bring up the duffel bag rumor somebody I, that. I thought somebody on raw somebody brought up the term luggage it was it was uh, it was drew i thought it was was drew. it drew okay i think it was okay. true yeah when yeah. they when when drew first started talking about you know back when i first started and you did this and i thought said something about baggage or something like that yeah. baggage or luggage or something like that yeah and he punctuated it and i was like did he just reference the the duffel bag <laughs> thing uh yeah. anyways uh so yeah uh let's see who's uh sean yeah sean, sean yeah. you're up what, what do you what do you want to see in a firefly funhouse with randy orton so obviously you got to cover the backstage stuff but you also if if you're doing the firefly funhouse have to bring up some some deep cuts from his on-screen career they're gonna do rnn the randy news network from his his shoulder injury if you remember yeah. those updates they'll go with that deep cut wouldn't be shocked if they brought in a ted dibiase jr or somebody mm-hmm. like that, or Manu, even for mm-hmm. the love of God, mm-hmm. throw Manu some work. <laughs> Reference legacy and evolution. Jindrak would be fun because yeah, everybody yeah, knows yeah, about yeah. that. And 
as we've seen on Talking Chopper Mania too. He played Triple H. He's not above doing that. Like yeah. he, he'll do that. I think there are some things there that that are that would be really fun. And Firefly Funhouse rewards you for being a longtime wrestling fan because yes. there's going to be a lot of stuff that a bunch of people yep. don't get, and that's that's the target audience for that. I, I really mm. enjoy it. I think one thing, given that like everybody has panned the uh, their WrestleMania match, like the stuff with the worms, oh, gosh, yeah, that so really oh, needs God, to yeah. be a, like. If there's one, I mean, Bray did that so perfectly with Cena in the Firefly Funhouse bringing up their mania match and how mm -hmm. he thinks it should have been booked, which is like, it was obvious. It was plain as day. Cena needed to compromise his own principles in order to win the match. That's how it should have gone down. And that never, it didn't happen. And so Bray brought that up and he tried to like say, Hey, this is, this is what it should have been. Uh, that match also obviously needs to be brought up. I mm -hmm. say, and you, you sort of mentioned it already with talk shop mania bring in. How about you do this? You have Randy Orton sort of experience some of the stuff, but you use his brother to play oh, him yes. at the same time because that stuff was amazing. Wasn't he Nathan? I think it's is it Nathan yeah. Orton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him doing that when he gets up to the thing and he just goes instead of doing the full <laughs> on. I thought that was absolutely great stuff. So bring in his brother, who's like a dead ringer for just like a really smaller, shrunken version of him. Um, and uh, yeah, the Jindrak idea is, is a really great one. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, there's all sorts of great stuff you can reference on the screen. Uh, make it different than the Cena stuff, but uh, but still you can, like you said, uh, you can really reach down in the history of, uh, of Randy Orton mm -hmm. on and off screen to mm -hmm. get a lot of great stuff there. Uh, cool. Next up, we got Patrick Sparks, the B-Man. Uh, he's going back in time talking about WCW. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, friendos, Pat here. So, we know that WWE beat WCW in the Monday Night Wars. They bought them. They ended them. They did the invasion. They did all that. WWE had some iconic moments during the Attitude Era. And without some of them... And there's a chance that um, they may not have beaten the ratings. The ones that come to mind for me are obviously uh, This Is Your Life with Rock and Foley, Tyson and Austin, and I'll even put uh, Tyson's Beer Truck. Um, if those didn't happen, amongst other things that, that happened in the Attitude Era, if the big iconic moments that we all remember didn't happen... Do you think that WCW would have lasted longer than 2001 if it wasn't for the shitty booking? Thanks, friendos. All right, thank you, Patrick. Sean, what do you thank say? You WCW, any chance it could have lasted longer? I mean, yeah, there's a chance it could have lasted longer, but at that point, wrestling was headed towards a different direction. I think wrestling fans craved better in-ring work and they had some of that but i mean at like the top of the card the pace had changed by that point rock and austin even triple h foley undertaker was stepping up his pace and then you had hogan doing what he did you didn't see a lot of fast-paced jeff jarrett matches back then either like or kevin nash or anything like that i'll do respect to them uh, I, I like both of those guys but a lot was changing in that regard, and WCW still had some contracts on the books for a long time. Um, they, the, the slow burn, it seemed like it, it went out the door after Goldberg won the title. After that, they're like, all right, time to hot shot everything. 
Uh, so, I mean, I think it would have lasted longer. I don't think it would have lasted much longer. And uh, But if, if there weren't a lot of iconic WWE Attitude Era moments, maybe Russo doesn't jump over. What does that do? Who knows? Uh, yeah, I think that, like, it's funny because, like, I read uh, the uh, the Guy Evans Nitro book. Um, Great book. Oh, it's it's fantastic. It really is. The number of times that WCW shot themselves in the foot mm -hmm. uh, from the Hogan contract, like the second, the, the Hogan contract in 98, I think it was, was such a mess. And it literally, like from a creative standpoint, it killed WCW in so many respects. Like they, they couldn't use their biggest asset, Hulk Hogan, in a way that actually could have helped the company. Obviously, it simply helped Hulk Hogan. And it's funny to me because I would have thought, I would have thought that at that point, especially in 98, WCW would have had a lot more leverage than, because what else was he going to do? Go, I mean, he could have just retired or he could have gone. I mean, I don't think Vince would have taken him back at that point because he was so ill-fitting for what they were doing in WWE um, that contract was ridiculous, but that was like, it was like one thing out of so many other things. Now, if WWE had not been able to adapt, if they had remained in that sort of 1995, <laughs> 1996 mode and didn't figure out, Hey, we need to do attitude stuff. I think like you might have a much different story, but like you said, without Russo coming over, because like a lot of the Russo ideas were just so bad yeah, that yeah. that shot them in the in the foot as well. And then of course you've got like the behind the scenes, you know, the, all the network stuff with the AOL merger and stuff like mm -hmm. that going on. Mm -hmm. So who knows? But if I think maybe if WWE, if the attitude, if they, if Vince never was able to adapt, and and if he had never turned. You know, if he, if the Rock had never joined the nation, he was just Rocky Maivia, and and he tried to to ram that down our throats. If he never figured out with Stone Cold, if all the if none of those guys would have like come alive, and and all those great story ideas never would have happened, then maybe maybe at that point you would have seen WCW. I mean, I guess there's a possibility if yeah, if Russo didn't come over, if they had stayed the course a bit more. I mean, I guess history would have been too changed at that point to really say for sure what would have happened. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it, Vince did figure it out, and and we got what we got. Mm -hmm. Larson, what do you think about all that? Um, I mean, I think you guys hit uh, pretty much all the all the beats. I'm in, in agreement. I guess the one thing would be if if Vince hadn't made those adjustments, uh, WCW, you know, at the time of the acquisition, if they were going strong, if they were still winning on a regular basis in in the ratings war. Um, if they maybe weren't hemorrhaging money like they were, maybe AOL would not have been so, this is all speculation, of course, been so uh, uh, amped to get out of the wrestling business. Mm -hmm. I guess who knows what could have happened then. But, you know, I, I think it comes down to it. They, at that juncture, they were kind of run so damn poorly that the writing was kind of on the wall. Yeah. Could maybe last a few more months, maybe. One thing, one thing that was kind of interesting, too, and this is something that, like, it, you know, it predated that we all sort of knew it. You could see it happening on screen was... I wonder if there, you know, with there was such a weird situation with WWE, everything was Vince. Like the guys wouldn't, yeah, I mean, you know, people would be 
people would act up. Like you have the click politicking a lot in WWE. You have Shawn Michaels basically sort of doing what he wanted to back then. And Vince could only do so much to sort of rein him in. With WCW, it was so easy for guys to check out. Like as like Nash and Hall came in and they were all in on the on the NWO idea. And they were like, yeah, let's do this, this, this. As soon as anybody tried to discipline them, like X-Pac, you know, they fire yeah. X-Pac. They're like, hey, you know, this is this is done. They're, they checked out. They're, they're, we got these huge fat contracts. You can't do anything. They're ironclad. Mm-hmm. And creatively, they just checked out. They didn't care anymore. Like, Nash got the book, and he tried to do what he could do. But, like, it just felt like everybody there at a certain, like, at a certain level were just in, into it for themselves. And I don't know how that culture could have ever changed unless, like, Ted Turner himself was the guy showing up at gorilla position, yeah. checking these people. He goes backstage on Teddy Jr., huh? Starts trying to rally the troops, huh? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know how that culture ever could have changed over there. Yeah, who knows? It was who too knows? far gone at that point. I mean, we, we've seen and heard so many stories. And I mean, even from even the, the infamous story where Kevin Nash will talk about how they got their contracts up on deal memos because WCW thought that, the fake razor and diesel yeah. were really going like things like that. Like there, there were some questionable calls, which I, I know Bischoff has disputed that in the past, but once you realize that you can kind of pull the wool over somebody's eyes or they can pull it over their own eyes, mm-hmm. man, that, like you said, that culture was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of things would have had to have been different in WCW for uh, history to have changed. I think. Oh Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We got a question from Dirty Rich about <laughs> basketball. What, what, what does yeah. he have to say? Let's see Dirty Rich here. I'm steering away from the holiday questions because everyone's going to ask him. But as you can see, I was playing some ball in my own living room today. And I wondered who could Steven Larson beat wrestling wise in a two on two. So there's the question. But it has to be at least a man of average height. Thank you, Dirty Rich. Interesting you, Rich. question here from Dirty Rich. All right. So. We'll start off with this. Larson, I'm pretty sure you and I could probably ball up the team of Goldberg and The Undertaker. I mean, now, yeah. But The yeah. Undertaker, he yeah. played college ball. He might still have some skills. He might not be able to move that great. But man, N- you put now, the ball in his hand. I, dude, I think I'd look like Allen Iverson do The Undertaker. He's I don't trying know, to man. He's still up. got height on his side. I don't know. He's still probably fundamentally sound. All these years later. Okay, this is what well I then, got. Yeah. This is what I got. Uh, any two members of the Undisputed Era. They're all about our height. Um, I, uh, You know, they conditioning-wise, they got the advantage, but I don't know if they even play basketball. The Undisputed Era. Those guys are athletes. Yeah. They're, like, really good. Are you kidding? What? I throw, to, I throw to you two 60-year-olds, and you come at me with the undisputed. We can't be. Yeah, maybe, you, maybe Bobby Fish. You're dismissing that. You're dismissing that because you got to meet them, and I didn't get to go on that trip. I feel left out. Well, that's still not a good reason to answer. <laughs> that was terrible. All right. Uh, let's. That, that's a terrible answer. Sean, you're the tallest man in, in, in the wrestling news media. In wrestling that's media, well, by far, yes. That's, that's well known. Uh, you versus uh, uh, what's AJ Styles as a manager? Uh, what do they call him now? Also, Jordan. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he, beating me. He he played ball. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's but, like super tall. But I mean, 
Okay, am I am I talking about you two or am I getting involved here? So so it's we're all talking three like all three of us, Nia Jax and Hornswoggle for sure. Oh wow! I mean, Nia Jax, she's she's not necessarily a, a, a ba- I don't think she's played basketball. Um, she's got rough knees. Hornswoggle, height advantage. I, but you know what? I'll throw one in that most people might not think: Chris Saban, because he has had knee issues in the past. Ooh. So. Might be a little bit cognizant of that. Of that, I'll throw Tegan Knox in there as well. I've got no mercy. Man, She's wow. on the shelf with knee surgery oh right my now. Gosh, so I'm I'm picking people that I could beat. Just wow. just Sean ACL's Ross blowing cross up. People cross people over. Oh my yes. god, knees blowing up everywhere wow. on the court wow. here. We're going in raw and fightful team. Wow, going in <laughs> fightful, fightful and raw, whatever it's called. Well, next time, next time we have the undisputed, uh, we would get annihilated. It's not a good answer right now. Let's just try to do something funny. Those kids on, can ball. I guarantee those kids. I don't they know are, about they're, that. They're shorter. They're shorter than all of us. But yeah. I guarantee you, they can ball. Some good zone defense will be fine. Um, <laughs> next time, next time uh, there's a, a basketball game happening for Starcast. We'll have to get in on that, Steve. It's oh, going to Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. That was a lot of fun. My jumper uh, is broke right now, but I'll play anyways. Oh, that that won't that won't stop you from shooting. Uh next up, TNA for Life has a question. Uh this I like this one. This is a good one. Let's see what he has to say. What wrestler has a voice that just doesn't match the way they look or the way they act? I know this is probably a pretty silly question, but I want to know. Thank you so much. Too sweet. Hearty handshake. Peace out. All right, thank you, TNA for life. Larson, kick us off. What wrestler has a voice that doesn't match his appearance? I mean, isn't just Brock Lesnar? <laughs> I mean, he's massive. That's a good one. Um, he's huge. Yeah. He looks like he should uh, talk like Braun Strowman. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Yeah, it's um, a bit of a higher. I mean, yeah. it doesn't mean he's not, not any less scary, but uh, yeah. you know, you hear him talking, you don't expect that voice to come out of, out of that person. <laughs> Sean, what do you say? Low key. <laughs> Uh, low key he's a he's a oh yeah right small dude but yeah he's got he's got that that booming voice don't tell me not to wear a mask i'll wear a mask if i want to wear a mask we sarcastically paid david bixon's fan to watch a webinar from him one time i remember that there were only three people on the webinar david a a well-known troll on the internet not david david's not the troll another troll named oatgan and then a plant that loki very clearly had in there to supply questions and sent him to talking <laughs> points that was it what did I, I i remember some of that didn't did did Bixen Spen, like, write it up or something? like. Wasn't oh, yes, it, he uh... did. Yes, he did. Check it out on Fightful.com. Just type in <laughs> low-key webinar. Oh, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Oh, man. Oh, that's classic. I'm going to go with Dexter Loomis. So, like, in our NA, somebody before the, the before the cameo purge, uh, some of the friendos got together, and I think he was, he was like, pretty cheap. And they got a, a really terrific Dexter Loomis intro for us. And uh, I didn't I I had never seen his work in TNA. I'd never seen him his stuff before. And he does this really creepy uh, 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 intro for us. And I took the Undisputed in, uh, Era intro that I had for us. And <clears throat> it was when they were feuding. And I sort of like I do the same thing, but then I cut and then I cut him into it. And and it's it's but it is it's like you think that it's going to be more like it's like more like Damian yeah. Priest or something like that. And it's a bit of a higher register. It's he's still creepy. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, uh, Dexter, for me, I was kind of surprised at Dexter Loomis's voice. 
I think in MMA, a lot of people wouldn't expect Anderson Silva to have such a high-pitched voice. It but was a very, yeah, yeah, totally. Very high-pitched voice. And in wrestling, another one, a lot of people don't expect Jessamine Duke to have the Kentucky accent when she talks. But it's it's like super, super thick. God, yeah. I don't even remember hearing her talk at all. Yeah. She had a she has such a great look. Like she looks yeah. so legit as a fighter. Shame WWE doesn't do more with her. She's doing the up, up, down, down stuff now. Yep. yep. Oh yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. She's helping uh run that now. Oh, that's like a like a thing for her now, is it? Oh yeah. Like her, oh, Mia Yim, Dakota Kai, Shayna Baszler. I assume it's because of the G four stuff with, with yeah, Xavier that, would, that, that would oh, but they, they announced okay. them as co commissioners of Up Up Down Down and they're all gonna be producing content now. Oh, that's, that's cool. fantastic. That's really cool. That's, that's really good. Cool. Also really cool. Joshua Martinez. Is this a video or a text question? This is a text question. These last two are text questions. All right. So Josh Martinez, J Mart. He was responsible for helping me get my PS5. Shout out oh. to J-Mart. <laughs> wow. The Friendo community is really great. Who else gets like, I start publicly griping about not being able to get a PS5 because I'm an idiot and didn't pre-order. And dad down there gives me all sorts of shit. And what happens? J-Mart comes through one of the amazing going in raw mods and says, yep. hey, I got one in my cart right now from Sony Direct. Do you want it? Uh-huh. Yeah, I want it. Look at that shit. Oh, it's great. Uh-huh. I'm playing COD zombies and everything. Anyways, Josh Martinez says this. He says, uh, what do you think is going to have the biggest impact on WWE in terms of COVID? No fans at shows until who knows when or no more house shows for the foreseeable future. He also wants to give a quick shout out to Sean Ross Sapp. He saw a couple months ago. He said he grew out his hair for charity. So Josh has started to do the same thing. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, that, that was the point of us doing it and us doing it with AEW, doing the haircut there. I wanted to get more people to donate their hair, make some people feel a bit better about themselves. So big thank you for doing that. I really appreciate that. It, mean, it meant a lot to me when, when we did that. It means a lot that you're doing it. But I think that there are definitely unique impacts to both. Wrestling shows are not the same without fans. They are not the same without fans. The ambient audio can be whatever it's going to be, but the Thunderdome has run its course too. We know that audio ain't coming from the Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. The The video doesn't match up. It's just a bunch of faces back there. The house show thing, okay, so that will affect a lot. That's going to affect money. That's going to affect schedule. Uh, AEW wasn't running house shows, so there were a lot of people that were leaning towards that schedule when contract time came. I think that fans, though, is the biggest difference because I think that has an impact on viewership significantly. That has a a major impact on moments. Imagine the reaction when Roman Reigns came back. Mm -hmm. Imagine the reaction when Drew McIntyre beat uh, Brock Lesnar. Imagine when, when Bayley turned on Sasha Banks. Those are moments that we will never get an appropriate reaction out of, and that's unfortunate. There's been some really cool moments this year that and you're absolutely right. And the funny thing is, like, for me, I see there, there are the big moments. But then there are certain matches because several wrestlers this year have really stepped up. And to sometimes it feels like, well, not sometimes, you know, obviously the people backstage are paying attention. One of the best sort of you know, tests to see what's getting over and what isn't what wrestlers are, are really making an impact, so to speak 
is crowd reaction. And so even in your normal match, let for example, Matt Riddle and Sheamus have had two of my favorite matches on regular oh, yeah. TV this year. Mm-hmm. For some reason, those dudes have chemistry, mm-hmm. and I never saw that coming. Yeah. Um, and I think those kinds of moments really are being hurt by the lack of fans. Like everybody knows, you know, like everything you just said, the WrestleMania moments, the big moments, those need fans. They really do for the legacy stuff. But for the guys who are really, the guys and girls who are really killing themselves and busting their asses to not have the benefit of those fans to help get them even more noticed by the people who make decisions backstage, I think that is probably going to be a, 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 a really disappointing thing for them uh, in this era. Um, I mean, house shows, I sort of got the feeling that pre-pandemic house shows seem to be on sketchy ground anyways. So yeah, they, uh, they were scaling that back significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's really not shocking, but yeah, I agree with you. I hope that, uh, you know, once things are safe, uh, uh, you know, fans, the, the presence of fans will really help wrestling come back to, uh, you know, it, it'll, it'll have like a pretty big rebound. Yeah, you hope so. Um, I guess the house show aspect aspect of it, even if the the it was kind of heading this way to begin with pre-pandemic, as, as far as WB phasing out, you know, three four house shows a week, um, and you know, obviously the the attendance was in decline on those anyways. But you know, in in a year's time when things are returning to some semblance of normalcy. If they scale back the house show schedule and maybe do do one or two a week, how is that going to affect them building an audience for the future? A lot of times, that's the only wrestling shows people can go to that's near them because they'll hit a lot of smaller uh, cities and or towns and whatnot with house shows versus TVs. Um, you know, maybe people or families won't want to drive two three hours to go to a Raw or SmackDown um, when they could have maybe gone to a house show. So, and I understand like you know, WB's got this huge online presence you know, two huge TV deals. You, there's no shortage of, of avenues by which to ingest WB content. But if they're only running three shows a week and the closest one of those shows is once a year, three hours from you, you know, are you going to fork over the money to do it plus drive all the way and back? That could potentially, I don't know if it will, but potentially have an impact on on future growth uh, of, of their audience. I wonder if they've done... Sean, you might know uh, maybe an answer to this. If they've done any studies in advance of scaling back their house show schedule. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know. that they were doing that already, and that that was a big reason why. Uh, a lot of those are, are break even shows, mm-hmm. and it was basically to get, get some eyes on stuff. And mm-hmm. break even means. Well, they're they're breaking even, but they're they're also giving a little bit more money to their wrestlers in that regard as well. I do have to say, there are some ways that no fans have, I think, improved WWE, and it's it shouldn't have taken that. But we're seeing less promo tropes. Like we don't see the "all you people" promos anymore because there are no people to all you anymore. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing that the. the the Alexa bliss promo they did a million times where she went out there and feigned sincerity and then said, I'm sorry that I didn't do it sooner. All that stuff. Uh, we're see- we're not seeing what chance for the love of God. We are not seeing what oh, chance. Those are going to come back, man. You're yeah, right. But those back. are so going to, yeah. 
Oh. I, I do not miss those whatsoever. And I do think that we are seeing significantly better promo work because we're seeing mm -hmm. a lot of these people speak directly to a camera, to us at home. We're seeing them do that instead of relying on that generic stuff. If you guys remember right after the Becky Lynch explosion at SummerSlam a few years ago, they tried to all you people her mm -hmm. that week. They tried to do it. Mm -hmm. And then everybody was like, no, this is not what we want. This is not it. So now that they can't do that, you're seeing a lot of the creativity in promos. You're seeing guys like MVP. They're leaning on him heavily yeah. because yeah. he can talk. And I think that is a benefit. I just hope that that carries on yeah. with fans and they don't get scared by what, what, what? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. I've been really enjoying the late. Um, they did it on the, the, the Roman Drew contract signing. Well, they'll have segments in the ring, but not have the wrestlers hold mics. Yes. Yeah. It yeah, makes the, the, the scene much more intimate, much more natural, much more genuine. They've done it a couple times. Mm -hmm. uh, but that that particular segment has really put a spotlight on how good and effective that approach can be versus, you know, two guys just sitting there with Mike, especially when they're talking to nobody, you mm -hmm. know. One thing I'm, I'm uh, really curious about in terms of all the promotions, I want to see what impact is going to look like with fans back. I feel like they've had the most steady, sort of consistent, creatively decent 2020 in terms of like, you know, their stability. And I'm really curious to know what it's going to be like when they get fans back, like what kind of, I don't know, organic sort of buzz they can draw from that. Because like, it's, it's not the easiest thing to watch right now because it's so empty. Like it's one thing, at least Thunderdome, at least Thunderdome. I've actually not minded Thunderdome because it like, just from a production standpoint, I can kind of suspend my disbelief mm -hmm. that like it's not just a bunch of like silent people doing this or this. <laughs> like I think the thing that broke that really broke it for me was the the Undertaker's final farewell where they piped in the thank you taker and there's not even faces in the crowd. No. That to me was like a bit much. But like Impact I think has been doing some interesting stuff that really I'm I'm really curious if they can they they seem to have shed completely the old sort of the negative connotation that TNA had back in the day. And they really have a lot of great talent there. I really want to see fans at Impact and see if they really start, you know, glomming onto Impact is like their thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've been enjoying Impact consistently. They have some really ridiculous stuff too. It's fun but, though. Uh, it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. Yeah. They're not afraid. They're not afraid to be goofy. And I love that. I loved the the coat rack with the IV on it for the Johnny Bravo thing. Yeah. Like, it was just so ridiculous. Uh, we have one final text question here from Luis Areza. He says, in a parallel universe, WWE is holding an actual World Cup in collaboration with every company on the planet. Your mission is to put together a dream team of seven living wrestlers for the following countries slash regions he actually only gives us six here uh u.s i think it's a seven people per region oh i'm not doing that i did one per <laughs> I did, i'm doing one per u.s yeah, well. canada europe mexico japan and the pacific islands what countries make it to the finals and who goes over uh right, who's Steve. going i'm going first okay yeah. i've got in the u.s the current united states champion bobby lashley uh for canada the cleaner kenny omega from Europe, of course, Walter. From the Pacific Islands, Roman Reigns. Uh, from Mexico, Pentagon Jr. 
And from Japan, of course, Kazuchika Okada. Uh, all right, who's your finals? Who goes over? Okada. Okada always wins. That's true. That's true. Uh, the, yeah. the, final, the finals, Okada versus Walter. There you go. I like that. Uh, for the U.S., I'll go with Daniel Bryan. Mm, good. Uh, Canada, I was trying to repeat your answers. For Canada, okay. I'll go with Kevin Owens. Oh, good. For Europe, I'll go with Drew McIntyre. Ooh, nice. Uh, Mexico, Dr. Wagner Jr. Oh, great pick. Uh, I can't go Okada with, for Japan, so I'll go Minoru Suzuki. Ooh, nice. And then for Pacific Islands, I'll go... Harvey wants to say Haku, but I'll go Jacob Fatu. Great answer. Um, my finals will be Dr. Wagner Jr. versus Minoru Suzuki. Minoru <laughs> Suzuki goes over. Oh, I like that. I like that. Sean, what do you got? Oh, for the sake of switching it up, for the sake of switching it up, I'll go Moxley US. Mm, mm. But that is just for the sake of switching it up. Normally, I would I would probably pick somebody else. Canada. I think I think Jericho would be a fun one if we're not doing Omega. Just, mm-hmm. just again, if we're not doing Omega, um, Roman Reigns getting snubbed out of the Pacific Islands in favor of a returning Rock would be very Ooh. interesting for the World Cup. Oh, the yeah. World the Cup. World Cup. The yes. World Cup would be very interesting. Mexico, I'd probably I'd probably go Ray Phoenix just because I think that he's. God, I think he's just the most fun person to watch in the world. See, Europe, I was going to go Drew McIntyre as well. So, uh, again, for the sake of, of changing that up, I'll go I'll go Tyler Bate because he's completely different than absolutely everything else in there, except for Phoenix. And, again, I've, I've got the third-round draft picks here. <laughs> yeah, we Japan. really should have done this like in in sequence, but whatever. Right, That's so. okay. It's okay. Uh, Larson, who'd you have for Japan? Uh, Minoru Suzuki. Okay, I got Kota Ibushi then. Oh yeah, That's I got up. Kota Ibushi there. Uh, and who's going over? Mm, I'll probably go Moxley there, just because. Just because uh, Rock ain't working a bunch of matches, mm-hmm. he'll he'll do one. He'll mm-hmm. put somebody over. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll give him the nod, hand slap, cool <laughs> high five in the ring. You did great, brother. Type of thing. And yeah, third round draft picks here. All right, I'm gonna put you guys on the spot. All right, uh, let's do the worst. <laughs> the worst. Tamina, Pacific Islands. Uh, so this is here's my picks to give you guys some some time to think. All right. So from Japan, I've got Yoshihashi. Yep, there you go. From Mexico, I've got Nino Hamburguesa, that big guy who <laughs> his name is Nino Hamburger uh, from AAA. Uh, from the Pacific Islands, I'm going to go with Jimmy Uso because this guy is totally the odd man out in one of the best stories of the year. Uh, <laughs> in Europe, I'm going to go with Jack Stars, the resident NXT Good. UK jobber. Good. Uh, in Canada, I'm going to bring Val Venus out of retirement. Oh, God. And from the U.S., we're going to go with Stang from Talking Shopamania. (laughs) Heath Slater. I'm going to go with Stang. So you guys are up. I don't care. All right. Um, All right. Give me a minute here. Man, Jack Stars is good for Europe. That's tough to (laughs) to follow. Shit. Well, if you got someone in mind, Sean, go ahead. Oh, uh, Mexico, one of the Vianos. After I saw that Triple Mania match a few years ago, worst match I've ever seen in my life. Whatever (laughs) Viano they can drag out there. Um, Here's the thing. 
I'm not saying that Tamina is the worst Pacific Island wrestler, but she only shows up for matches with stakes. She mm-hmm. is only there for top contender matches, mm-hmm. title matches. She'd find her way into this tournament. <laughs> she would find a way, even if it's not intergender. Right. She would find a way. <laughs> right. Um, man, U.S. Oh, there's so many terrible wrestlers here. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of really bad ones. Um. Man, let me let me think. That's a tough one. That's a tough one too. Because usually, if people are on American TV, they're usually not terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mm-hmm. talent the talent pool is insane these days. It's really yeah. really spectacular. Meanwhile, like twenty years ago, we would just be reeling off names like, "Oh, Brockus, there's mm-hmm. one," and yeah, like all kinds of people in in WCW were just horrible. Hmm. Do you remember the name of that guy in AAA that took that power bomb and bounced his head off the table? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, oh God, damn it! So I tip my tongue too. I can't remember who it was. Was it Superfly? Yeah, sounds right. That was the worst spot I've ever seen in like modern so pro bad. wrestling. It was so bad. Mm. All right. Gosh, it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying I'm to trying, go with all. I'm, I was trying to go with all Sting lookalikes, so I was going to have Chessman in there. Oh gosh! But then I had Sting, and I couldn't really think of any other Sting lookalikes. NWO Sting wrestled a match a, about a year ago. Oh really? Oh, there, yeah. huh. I interviewed Farmer. him at Wrestlecade. Honestly, legit most starstruck I ever was to do an interview because I was like, "Will he even want to talk about wrestling?" Because he made his career pretending to be somebody else, and he was so nice and oh. jacked. He's in better shape than real Sting now. Dude, going to star uh, to Starcast. What is it called? Yeah, Starcast. Uh, so many of those wrestlers stay in great shape. I was shocked because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen Shamrock. Like he hadn't done the Impact stuff. Oh gosh, yet. he was an amazing. Shoot. Yes, he, he is. still is, obviously. But like when I saw him, it was the first time in forever. He was in great shape. Yeah, man, the worst is so hard because like I don't see a lot of just really terrible matches on TV these days. Oh no, no. Here's the, okay. We'll just stick to in kayfabe then. What about Johnny Swinger? Put him in there. <laughs> He's so funny. I love him. Oh. I love him so much. He is so damn funny. He is it, so damn funny. Yeah, if we're doing kayfabe, Lana's in there because that. I mean, she's just <laughs> her gimmick is that she is a bad wrestler. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually supposed to, or I pitched to wrestle uh, Barry Horowitz earlier this year. Really? Show. Wow. Yeah. To get out of wrestling the person I was going to wrestle. Who are you going to wrestle? Or can you say? The promoter. Oh. The, pro- oh, the oh. overweight promoter with health problems. We were going to do like a comedy match, but I was afraid that he was actually going to die in oh, the match. Oh. And I was like, I don't, I mean, I can make it good. I can make it look good, but I can't promise you that you're going to be alive. Not because I was going to like beat him up or anything. But because I wasn't sure any, yeah. And also, yeah. I, I was gonna have to at least make it look, look as good as possible because I don't want to embarrass myself. So I was like, let's let's do a Horowitz thing instead. Mm-hmm. He's local to Tampa, and he was down for it. But oh, that's cool. COVID, boy, that would have been fun. I know, man. So much stuff this year changed because of that. I know. Yeah, just in the wrestling world alone. All right, Larson, come on, give me your guys. That's what I got. I got a few names. I got all all six. I got uh, Paul Lee. I know you said oh. Chop Mania 2. He worked his ass off at Talking Chop Mania Oh, that was But they were great. making fun of his footwork, so that's oh, right. No, yeah, they totally were. It was That was my, the funniest bit. It's like, is that even a headlock? Look at where his feet is. Yes. <laughs> uh, 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 Tokyo oh. Pimp. 
Yujiro oh, Takahashi. Good. That's good. I like it. That's um, and then uh, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa's super tall brother. Uh, <laughs> and then Superfly. That's who I got. Those are good answers. Those are yeah, good answers. Are. All right. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for Matt Chat. Sean, thank you so much for coming. Thank you on. so we much. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys. Anytime you want me on, I'd be I'd be happy to. I always like doing stuff with you guys, even if it's just mercilessly defeating you guys at wrestling quiz games. How many of those victories do you hold at this point? How many times have you successfully defended and won? I, I've won four. I don't know how many times I've defended. They have like a Quizzlemania wiki. That's not. Surprising. I think. Yeah, and wow. I mean they're they're huge, obviously, but I've won it four different times, and then I feel like I defended it a couple of times through are you there. are you at all shook now with the emergence of tempest i mean honestly i was a little bit concerned about him prior i i, I knew that he would be good i mean even even beyond his his knowledge for his age i mean he's been fact checking literally everything and he's been sitting in on all these episodes so he's ingested a lot more knowledge mm. mine largely comes from the fact that I have watched every minute of nationally televised wrestling TV for 30 years. And I keep up the, the resources section at fightful.com. So if like there are any major tournaments or something, I have manually input that into fightful.com. So that usually helps. But Tempest, man, he's a prodigy. Oh, that that G1 insane. bit the last episode was, wow. was one of the I, most incredible things I've ever seen. Though, yeah. like the month before, I had just done our all-time G1 <laughs> winners list. I, I've gotten lucky like that multiple times. Like they did one about movies. Well, yeah. on Tuesdays, we got a couple guys that do movie reviews about yeah. wrestling movies mm -hmm. every single week. So I've gotten very lucky with a lot of those. I felt less bad at that point when I, when I, when I saw you guys doing that. I was like. Well, clearly I don't belong. Uh, so I'm going to embrace. I'm going to embrace my role as court jester. Maybe they'll need that more often. <laughs> totally happy doing that. Uh, there was always. Uh, we were talking about this before. There, on every celebrity game show in the '70s and '80s, there was always one guy who was really funny and really terrible, and they always brought him back. And I was like, that could be this guy. Yeah, <laughs> I totally, love doing those. Totally okay with that. Anyways, uh, so yeah. Uh, thanks all the friendos as well for sending in all your video questions again at the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Steven Larson. You can send in your video question uh, at the $20 mark. Uh, so thanks everybody for watching. We appreciate it. Till next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.